Welcome to the Sisters of Industry podcast with hosts Laura Brown and Jen Williams, where the goal is to help you work harder, lean smarter, and live life better. Where one bloodline and different industry experiences will provide new insight to make you more effective at work and play. Our mistakes will help all of us laugh and learn. Get ready to lean in, lean out, and possibly snort coffee out your nose as they talk about all things business, leadership, and life. Let's go. I'm Laura, and one of my stated goals for 2020 was getting better at saying no. If I click my heels three times and say no to coronavirus, is there any chance that would disappear? Yeah, not so much. Sorry, science. Back to you. I'm Jen, and I said I was going to write a book. (laughs) No, but seriously, we should all write books about this year. Well, we've come to the middle of 2020, and not a single person on the planet could have predicted our current circumstances. Nevertheless, we're breaking format today to check in on the goals for the year Laura and I shared back in January. This should be fun. Here we go. Today might go down as one of the most hilarious episodes (laughs) the Sisters of Industry ever put on the interwebs because we are going to go back in time mere six months ago to talk about the goals that Jen and I set for 2020, some of the lessons we've learned, and I think there's going to be a lot of laughter and this phrase, little did we know, is going to be used about 500 times. Jen, (laughs) do you think we can even get through this this morning? I'm hoping, and I'm hoping that it's with more laughter than tears because (laughs) just listening to the episode from January in preparation where we talked through our goals, I couldn't believe just again who knew and so all these things we were talking about Laura we even talked about the Broadway musicals that we were going to listen to this year and now Broadway's closed I mean it's you can't get past the absurdity of where we are right now so I'm hoping that we are going to have fun with this and extend a ton of grace to ourselves in this conversation and enjoy the fact that everything we thought about 2020 is just gone absolutely and I'll tell you that for our listeners um, have some fun with us over the next half hour laughing a little bit about where we are with our goals but I'm also hoping that you all walk away from this episode with some encouragement one yes. you're not alone that your track you're not even off track you're in a whole different county on a different train line at this point right so um, some encouragement that you're not alone as well as quite honestly I think Jen and I have some insights into the, into some ways we're giving ourselves grace and into how you can kind of reset your expectations to still be productive mm-hmm. and have a good year despite the challenges that are in front of us. So Jen, I'm going to start here. I went back and listened to our goals podcast. I know you did the same thing in preparation for this episode. There's a quote from you that said, (laughs) forget what may come our way in 2020. Let's talk about what's next. I know in that moment, um, when we were suspending reality, we had no idea how much our reality was going to be not just suspended but completely blown out of the water so it's put us all in a really unique position Mm -hmm. if i just said you right out of the gate here before we get specific about our goals what is one thing at this point in the year you have learned and you are using to reset your expectations of yourself what is it 
One thing I've learned in resetting is, this is going to be funny, Laura, because this is going to be a recurring theme. And I think it's even what I meant when I said the, the quote that you just offered from the original episode. And it's that there will always be interruptions and circumstances. Now, 2020 has taken that to a whole new level, but I think that I was in this place of going, you know, forget whatever is going to happen here, you know, here we go, here's the things we're going to do. And I think the the biggest thing that I've learned that's helping me reset is once again this idea that there are circumstances in every situation and there are opportunities in every situation. And so we have to acknowledge what we've lost, but we also have to be willing to seize what we gained that we really didn't expect. I think that's really well said. And the first thing I wanna really point out there is you just gave all of us, and I'm gonna include myself here. If you haven't done this yet, just take some time to go ahead and allow yourself to mourn what's been lost, right? Yes. Whether it's a baseball season, you're not going to get to see your kid play, a Broadway show that you were hoping to see that you now can't see, a job that you've lost, which is certainly much more impactful than the two things I named first. Whatever it is that you've lost in this season, give yourself the time to mourn it. Mm-hmm. We don't expect yourself to just pick up and move on and say, so on to my goals for 2020, let's get back on track. If you've not mourned, do it before you take the time to put yourself back on the track. Otherwise, that's going to come up and get you at an unexpected point. So I, I like that you said that. And then to your point, I think on these twists and turns, if all of us are honest, there's some opportunities that have come along um, that we need to take full advantage of and some lessons that we've been learning about ourselves that we need to continue to apply even when these unusual circumstances around the global pandemic um, do eventually disappear. God Mm -hmm. save us whenever that may be. Yeah, we don't know, but it will disappear eventually. And that we know we do have hope that we will return um, to a new way of life. But there are things we'll want to maintain for me personally. And I'll just get right into it. One of the goals that I shared for 2020 was that I was really going to get after my wellness personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do so well with that the first couple months of the year, and I knew I wouldn't, right? Coming into a new year, you have to be careful not to go too aggressive and be unsustainable with it. And then I was amongst those that ate all the snacky snackies the first month <laughs> of quarantine, um, right? So was not doing well with that goal. Having said that, I sit here today saying that I am um, – kicking butt and taking names on getting myself back into yeah, better physical are. fitness. Um, you've seen some evidence of that. I mean, genuine weight loss, I'm running again. And I think just as important, um, I have found really solid sleep habits over the course of this quarantine Woo-hoo. process. Something that Jen, you called me out on when we did our goal setting yes, episode. I did. That, that was something I really needed to take care of for myself. So there's an example of, I have figured out a way to make exercise part of my life again. And I am getting consistent, decent sleep on a regular basis. I cannot let that go. So whenever there comes a point when I can internationally travel again, I need to figure out how to keep running, even if it's through the streets of a small hamlet in Germany. And Mm -hmm. I need to figure out how to sleep, even if every now and then that gets disrupted by the reality of time zone changes, right? So there's an example where like my wellness goal, thank you very much. I'm going to do a pat on the back. 
I have gotten on it. Special thanks to my ride or die partner, Aaron, who is holding me accountable for it on a daily basis. Um, it's happening. And I'm sure that all of us can point to something where maybe not the way we expected it, it, our goal is happening. Jen, do you have a goal where you go, oh, I'm doing all right here, despite what I would have thought? <laughs> That's awkward, and we're not oh, editing that out. <laughs> no, we're not. That was definitely me taking a deep breath, because I so want to jump on the optimism train, and I am so, I, I love, I am seeing you kick butt and take names, and you're you're crushing that goal, and I love it. Um, I... I am struggling, and so I don't want to go too quickly to the other side of, oh gosh, here's where goals fell apart, but as I as I listened to mine and went down the list, and even as I said a minute ago, seizing the opportunities that are here, I think that's happening. If I look at it in relation to the goals I had made, I am still in the process of mourning and reorganizing <laughs> into a new framework. Now, I will offer, though, quickly that one of the ones I'm going to give myself the hardest time on in the midst of this conversation is I had a goal of working on contentment. And I talked about my Enneagram 3-ness and the need to achieve and succeed. So here's where, obviously, the writing's on the wall of um, how much I've been struggling there. However, part of that contentment piece that I offered as an illustration was saying more yeses to my kids in the moments that they wanted to play a game or do something and not being worried about hitting, you know, the number of emails answered and the number of, you know, steps taken or whatever in a given day. And so one of the things that I think a lot of people have noticed in this season is that for better or worse, I have logged miles with my children, particularly my oldest child, who is just moving into the beginnings of the preteen years. And just at the point where all the books would be telling me that he's totally, you know, shifting to what his friends think is more important than what his parents think and everything else. And instead, I have had a whole lot of his attention in the last few months. And while that's been tricky, balancing work and doing the school thing and everything else, we don't need to rehearse that story at this point. Um, he's been the one that consistently has looked at me in the evenings and said, let's go for walks. And the hours I've spent walking, um, with my son, I will treasure and know that that's a gift of this season that I never would have had in ordinary circumstances. That's really well said. And I think a lot of us could probably share, and I won't go through it in too much depth, but one of the upsides that I've seen too is just that time with my kids. Listen, there are plenty of memes to be made about how I'm daily have to remind myself not to kill them because I'm not used to being around them so much. Um, and vice versa. They right. aren't used to being around me this yeah, much. And, they're tired um, of us. And I really, really pay attention to what they're doing and, you know, what they're yeah. eating. And so that can be really crazy for them too. Um, and we have to acknowledge that, that that goes both ways. However, um, the family board games, I mean, just cleaning out the game closet and doing puzzles and some of those things we did much more when stay-at-home orders were a lot stricter. But even now, we've kind of kept some of those habits um, in the holster, um, which has been really fun and I think really important to just acknowledge. I mean, like you said, I mean, I've walked with my kids more in these days. And with my dog, by the way, my furry child <laughs> um, has logged more miles than anyone could even calculate 
um, because there's at least three of us that take him for daily, our daily walks in our house. So he's exhausted um, and wants us all to return to non-quarantine life. So, but I think we really do need to acknowledge that there are some really good upsides. And I love the way that's part of your contentment, right? Because you specifically talked about finding time to play the game of chess or go for the walk with your kids. And the fact that you're getting that is a beautiful thing. So I think we need to acknowledge that while some of our goals we had a vision of what it was going to look like when we achieved them. It's possible that we're working towards them and achieving them, even if the means are different than we expected. And I think yes. you just showed that to us. So that's another thing I really want our listeners to hear. Give yourself credit for where you're hitting the concept of some of your goals, um, even if it looks a little bit different than what you had planned on it. Um, allow yourself room for a little bit of credit where credit is due, because I think we're sometimes we're really staunch with ourselves about did I check the box or not. Mm -hmm. And this is the year for crooked check marks that say yeah I got it just a little screwy right <laughs> crooked check marks I love that I love that yeah, I'm I gonna... think I'm branding that yes I'm gonna brand that when we get off of here this is a crooked check mark kind of year um, oh that's I'm perfect saying that a lot um, tell me when I say it too much um, so let's go to our professional goals for the year so a reminder to our listeners we kind of framed um, we had four places that we recommended that everybody put together goals professional goals your side hustle goal a joy goal, which is where we put like that health and well-being that we've just now been talking about. And then we also talked about an us goal. What's a place where you need to just reach out and be to use the phrase that Jen and her church uses all the time? How are we better together? What can I do in that area? So Jen and I both articulated some professional goals. And I think we both have a lot of work to do here. And this has not ended up as we looked at. So Jen, yours was that Ashley Ridge was going to finish paying for your land in 2020. It was measurable and clear cut and you are already laughing. So where do you need to give yourself some credit? Where does that look different? Oh, am I still laughing? I'm not crying. You I'm still are, laughing, right? Are. Yeah. Um, no, honestly, actually, this is a story of um, some really cool stuff, actually. It, but I just have to acknowledge the humor in it. Again, start of 2020, here are these goals. And the fact that I had a goal that was about paying off a really significant investment for our church and taking really huge steps forward in our building process obviously major interruption <laughs> with everything that's happening. Um, at the time we're recording this, it's now been over four months since our church has met together in person. And because we meet in a school that is still figuring out what to do, we don't know, even aside from the when is it safe to have large gatherings question, we don't have access to a place to meet and don't know when we will. <laughs> So um, I'm going to keep laughing. So this is obviously totally different than what we thought. We had laid out a whole structure. We had a strategy that we had been working on since last July of exactly how we were going to do this. I was feeling all kinds of confident. We were at an all-time high with momentum. And now here we are. And so I could spend a lot of time here. I won't. What I will share is that obviously that whole strategy has been upended. And I've spent a lot of time, especially in recent weeks and um, yesterday, writing a whole letter with the reframing of all of this, completely reorganizing the system. Um, now, here's the thing I will say. It has never been more clear for our church why we need to finish paying for the land and build a building. 
um, because we don't have a space to meet right Amen. now. Yeah, so there's so an opportunity true. there to to really grab hold of the, okay, this is clear, this is obvious, no one is missing the, the trajectory here. So there's the opportunity. The challenge is going to be knowing that our economy is where it is, knowing that people's lives have been upended. How do we continue making this surge? And so without getting into the weeds, what that's looked like is a lot of reformatting of strategy, being willing to challenge all of our assumptions, being willing to even look at things that we thought fell in certain places on the timeline um, are going to need to fall in different places. And that's really hard when you've worked really hard on a strategy to then go back and know it was good and it was working and then have to go, now we have to change it. We have to ask the really good questions about what's the biggest priority. For us, that has meant the biggest priority is maintaining as much of a timeline to get us to a building as possible, which does reframe um, the the speed at which we pay for things and how we pay for things and what the next steps look like. Sure, so sure. the goal's on its head, but will be very useful in future episodes for how you completely rework strategy and challenge all of your assumptions when the circumstances change. Absolutely. And what I like there is not that I just said absolutely, because that's our <laughs> overused word, but what I really like is you did just point out to listeners um, indirectly, that you don't have to give up on a goal that now seems insurmountable. We all likely had goals for this year where you go, in the context of this brave new world, how do I even go about this? Mm -hmm. But there are ways that you can rework that strategy. And part of reworking that strategy might be a completely different business for yourself. I think about some of the small business owners we've been talking to. They've entered different markets than they expected, but they're still looking at ways to care for their employees and to grow. You're going to get to your goals. You're going to get there a little bit differently. And there is no shame in saying, here was the intent. That intent is no longer possible the way we intended it. Let's rework it. Mm -hmm. It's actually, I think it should be a source of pride for anyone who has had the wherewithal to say, instead of giving up, let's rework the plan. Yes. Yes. Um, so I'll tell you, mine is a little different. So my professional goal was to really, to use the phrase, lean in. Um, to where I am. So when we talked earlier, I I said essentially I spend a lot of time thinking about what I'm going to be when I grow up, and I often forget that I already am something as a grown up, and I need to focus on doing that better and growing where I am, um, and not always looking for somewhere else to be or to evolve to. And um, this one's been really interesting. Obviously, with coronavirus, there's been a little bit of a stalling force mechanism, right? We're not traveling. The organization's not changing a lot. We're looking to build a lot of stability into what we're doing um, at the moment. And I can tell you, and this might come out wrong, so please give me some grace in how it comes out. I got a really good opportunity with coronavirus because I'm sure if you are a regular listener, you've caught on to the fact by now that what I really love to do I like problem solving very much. I'm sure that came through in our problem solving series. <laughs> I really like to handle project management, cross-functional communication and coordination. Like these are the places where I just have a blast. And man, did I get to flex those muscles um, over the last couple of months. Um, plus doing it differently because it wasn't like you were gathering folks in a conference room and doing the, you know, Apollo 13, dump the pieces on the table. Let's figure out what we're going to do here, right? Yeah. This has been over new technology everybody working from home, trying to figure out how to do it with people with kids screaming in the background and dogs barking, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if I'm honest, 
um, and please take this the right way. There were t- there's been times where this has just been fun for me. Um, certainly, I do not think the coronavirus and the consequences of coronavirus are fun. Do not mistake my words. But man, did I get to really do some of the things I'm good at and really take advantage of a unique position I am placed in in my organization right now to really help lead and guide us through a difficult time. And that was really good for me to reinforce what I am professionally and what I want to be professionally. Um, And I would also tell some folks, whether you're an employer listening to this or an employee, it also gave me, this entire experience has given me a chance to really step back and look again at why I've worked where I work for two decades. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's nothing like a crisis to draw out who you are as a company and really see your core values at work um, or not at work. Um, And in my case, I got to really go, you know what, this is why I've been here for 20 years. And the way we are making decisions, and the way we're caring for people, this is what I love. So that's really been a very positive place for me, I can do better. There are things that I want to do better. Part of it was just learning more about the content areas that I work in. Um, Honestly, I've just learned more about CDC and WHO guidelines um, (laughs) and global supply chain right now, right? But there's learnings to be taken. Um, there's more to do, but I actually would tell you that this is a goal that I'm really excited. There is well, nothing measurable about that, but there is a lot of excitement about that. Well, and I would add to that just from the outside and without sharing more than we can or should about your job, but you have talked about the fact that you work in supply chain stuff. And so I will say that for you, this started a lot earlier than for a lot of people. You were dealing with coronavirus directly by the end of January. Um, for yes. a, for a lot of us, we didn't get there till March. But for you, this was already there. And so it really did for you open up a huge door of, oh, wow, these are this is a skill set that I have in a big kind of way that your company was able to draw on as well. So um, this has been a longer trajectory for you. And I think it has been a good thing. And I think you framed that well. Nobody thinks that you're feeling good about the coronavirus, but the <laughs> fact that we are trying to to look for the opportunities that were there. So, okay, but I think then that takes us to our side hustles. Um, and so this is a humorous one for both yeah, of us. let's just not even talk about it. <laughs> That's what, let's just leave it at the open acknowledgement, I guess. Some people, I think, maybe have thrived with their side hustle because they haven't been able to do their real job. But for you and me, for both of us, this one goes in the category of we were so busy um, doing the kid thing and the work from home thing and also staying alive professionally that the side hustles kind of got kicked to the curb. <laughs> there is no doubt about that. Now, I think we should acknowledge I have watched some folks just blossom in yeah. their side hustles um, over the course of this changed year. And my congratulations and just I honestly a lot of joy for the people that I've seen that happen. Um, Susan Trotman on the interview that we posted last week talking about the business that she and her husband Drew run talked about how they revamped into face masks in their business a little bit mm-hmm. um, as an important part of this time. Um, now that's not side hustle that's their core business in a way that they stayed alive but I've seen others that have actually I know of another small business that the owners said hey we have some skills here we can do face masks. So things like that that played out but just places where folks saw an opportunity um, to help others because sometimes the side hustle is just about being there for other people how do I use my margin time to be there for others right Mm -hmm. Um, 
there have been some beautiful stories I think all around us on how people have taken what they do on the side and really grown it um, for the glory of God for the good of others um, and that's been amazing yeah. in the case of you and I our side hustles just got completely absorbed <laughs> in how our professional lives <laughs> evolved over this last thing I mean I was going to use margin in my life for my side hustle but when coronavirus challenges started in January internationally in supply chain world, um, and I started to deal with that and started working 80, 90 hour weeks to deal with what we needed to revamp into, mm -hmm. um, there was no room to do things like building um, speaking engagement outlines and preparing <laughs> seminars um, on driving results that was not <laughs> going to happen because I was living a seminar on yeah. how to regroup and drive results and I think you experienced the same now Jen your side hustle goal was to take time and start writing a book <laughs> that you really do have well formed in your head so I just want to know are you acknowledging that this is a goal that's just not going to happen given the current circumstances or are you going to continue to hold yourself accountable to trying to get there. Talk to us about how you're waging that mental battle. All right. That's a great question and um, and a good way even in asking it to push me toward where I am going and want to go. And so this is one that I have to openly acknowledge. Mid-year check-in, whole lot of nothing. Uh, totally got backburnered. I came into the year so excited, feeling like for the first time I had some really clear pieces in front of me. This was something I was going to get my arms around. And it entirely went by the wayside. Um, it was one of those things that there was no space, um, not even time space, but mental space to mm -hmm. pursue any of that. However, as I look forward, and this goes back into what I was talking about earlier with, you know, there's always going to be a reason why not. And so this year has brought us a whole lot of reasons why not. And we've we've lost a lot of things. However, it cannot be the excuse. And so for me, this is a goal that I am reclaiming with a, a fervor and even I go so far as to say a conviction for the back half of this year because I do feel like this is something I want to do, that I need to do. I even feel like these are some gifts that I have that I'm I'm not being a good steward of, that I'm squandering, and, and it's in me. And so, but it is going to take a piece of discipline and allowing myself to do that. So I will say, because again, I do know that you, despite all the interruptions of this year, still love concrete measurable goals, which we talked about in January. And so with this one, I have a concrete measurable goal that I have already started just in the last two weeks of writing every single day. Um, I don't have, I'm not putting parameters on me because there's still too much going on to say how much I have to write or anything like that. But knowing that every writer that I've talked to or listened in on or things that I've read say you just have to commit to doing it like anything else like running or whatever it is a discipline of saying I'm going to make it a priority and do it so even if it just means I'm writing letters or I'm just writing a paragraph I'm making it a discipline to write something every day and exercise those muscles I am so impressed, Jen, by that personal choice and challenge that you're giving yourself. I do like the way that you've scoped it maybe a little bit differently instead of saying, you know, I'm going to write a chapter a week. Um, you're just getting the writing muscle built at least um, because a lot of what I hear there is you acknowledge that you're not going to have an entire book pitch and outline ready to rock this year. It's unrealistic, but it is realistic to build some really good writing habits so that when life starts to give you that space again, you can, you can be ready. 
um, yeah. to really go after it. I compare it, ready? I'm going to make a running analogy just to shock everybody on the yes. other side of the coin. Go, but like, go, I compare go. this to some of my friends um, who I've continued to watch and watch them, to be clear, I'm watching them via social media, talking to them, continue to prepare to run half marathon distances or um, mm -hmm. some really long, interesting relay races that they do. They've continued to train even though they know those races aren't going to happen this year right. under current circumstances. And I think the same concept applies here. Where are places where even if the end goal is not achievable, we can be training our minds, our hearts, our bodies to be ready when the opportunity does present itself again. Um, so I think that's a really good way to think about some of these things. Instead of saying the end goal is not possible, say, what can I do so that when it's possible again, I'm ready. Right, because it's too easy to just chuck it. Because it would be easy right now to go, I have all the excuse in the world. It's going to be so easy to say, yep, 2020 was a dumpster fire and just throw it to the wayside. And, you know, it's just like I was talking about with the professional goal, with the land. Are things going to look different? Yes. Do scopes change? Yes. However, this year, I want to say this for everybody, and I don't want you to hear this as pressure. I want you to hear this as encouragement. This year is not a loss. It is not. There is, there are six months left in this year preach, and Jen. we're going to live them. I was going to say, you better stop me now because I, I could preach here in this moment. But friends, this is not a loss. It, reframe, grieve, but let's pick up some pieces. There's a lot of good to be done here. Yeah, I, um, I'm with you and I love that you just said that and I'm going to repeat it even though people are going to bang their heads into the wall. You still have half the year. We still have half the year. What can we do with that half of the year? If nothing else, take this episode as a chance to step back and say, what can I do the balance of the year? Because mm -hmm. um, it's not a loss. It's not over. Thank you so much for drawing that out, Jen. Um, we should probably just end there, but we're not going to because <laughs> I'm having too much fun talking to you. Um, and the thing I take from that, quite honestly, is I need to self-actualize. My side hustle goal um, that I was joking about a little bit earlier, you know, which was to outline some speaking engagement um, things as well as some seminars, it doesn't have to be dead. Mm -hmm. Am I going to get the two of each done like I had hoped? I'm not. Um, is my content going to be richer? And do I have some new ways I'd like to approach that having learned what I've learned the first half of this year? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think what I need to do, and I'm not ready to talk about it in this moment, is say what is achievable in this goal and how do I reframe it to take best advantage of the balance of the year so that I don't walk away from the year with nothing. So you've inspired me, Jen. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. I'll put I, that I in know. my win column because, again, it. I'm still over here and this maybe goes into the where I'm um, not doing so great on my contentment goal of this year has just – forced me to take hold of the fact that I am super addicted to success and performance and feeling like I'm winning. And this year took all of that away. So you see how quickly I'm jumping in to be like, yes, I inspired you. Win column. <laughs> like, what have I achieved? <laughs> That's, I actually, I feel really important now that I've helped lift your entire being today. Um, and you can feel good about that. And I think, but that's important, right? And I do think I'm going to use that as an opportunity to say, we all need to be looking for places where we can encourage each other that we have accomplished things yeah. um, that we wanted to accomplish um, in a very bizarre kind of way. Um, I'll give another example. This was a micro goal of mine, but I have said, 
um, for the last couple of years since my family relocated to our current residence. Um, when we left Ohio, moved to Pennsylvania, one of the things I lost and mourned for a long time is a really awesome book club. So some people just went, are you kidding me, Laura? We're going to talk about a book club. It was a very, very meaningful connection and group of people in my life, and it was really hard to lose that. And I've been saying for quite a while, I want, I need, I need a book club here. I need a book club here. Mm -hmm. um, this kind of goes back to some of the networking things we said in a previous episode. I need a group of people where I'm honing my life skills in that way and that are there for me, right? Um, and I just hadn't dealt with it, partly because I just wasn't comfortable and ready to emotionally deal with a different set of people, right? Um, because I missed the ones I had. Yeah. Um, but this is one where I took that bull by the horns and doggone it, I got a book club now, baby. Um, awesome. And I know that seems so silly, but um, I think it's important to recognize even those little micro goals that are so meaningful to have exercised. So did I launch a book club in January? We got to meet um, three times and then couldn't meet again for a while. Um, yeah, that did happen. And that was a bummer because I'm like, fine, I, great. I finally did it. And now it's going to die because we never got solid, consistent traction before coronavirus. But you know what? We did a book club via Zoom um, over over quarantine and we just did a socially distanced outside regroup gathering, right? So like yeah. things are happening. Mm -hmm. And it was actually fun because it was a whole other group of people that I could reach out to even in the infancy of our relationships. Um, um, over the course of quarantine. So there are positives like that that I think are really good. And like, that's an example of a micro goal. So again, coming back to how can all of our listeners apply some of this, go find those micro goals, those little things that you said you were gonna get done that you did hit and make sure you're giving yourself credit. Give yourself the crooked check mark. Yes, yes. No, I love that. Okay, so really quickly, Laura, I'm going to um, take us in a different direction and then we're going to come back to okay. the, the big lessons we've learned and any changes to our goals. But you just talked about your book club. And so really quickly, one of the things we talked about in our beginning of the year goals episode was some of the best books we'd read halfway through the year. Uh, I want to take a quick intermission and ask you, what are your mid-year book notes? What are, what are the books that you read that you would tell other people to read? Oh, so great question. So let me start with this. If I reflect on that, a whole lot of fiction. Um, I'm going to tell our readers that right now. So if you are looking at like the three best leadership books I've read this year, you're not going to hear them because I will tell you that reading has been my personal escape through mm -hmm. this challenging point in time. I have been reading not exclusively, but near exclusively fiction um, because it's just what my heart and my mind needed. This was not the time for me to buckle down and read a leadership book. Yes. Um, and I'm just going to be honest about that. Now, I've been coming out of that a little bit, especially in recent weeks, as we've all really been trying to educate ourselves and listen harder, particularly as it deals with the topic of race relations in our country. So I've been coming out of that a little bit. So books mm -hmm. like Just Mercy have been crossing and being read and are very powerful and important books for us to read. So I've been coming out of that a little. Having said that, two books stand out to me um, from the early part of this year. The first one... Um, and I know you read this one too, Jen, is the novel Dear Edward by Anne Napolitano. Mm -hmm. um, this book, this is actually the book my book club did during quarantine via Zoom, just loved this book. And ev I have recommended it to so many people who have also almost universally loved this book. It was a very, um, very unexpected, an author that was unknown going into it. 
Um, it's a great book about a plane crash. And P.S., what a great thing to read while none of us are really flying, right? Because normally <laughs> I would true. not be interested in reading a book about a plane crash. <laughs> That's true. But the book is about a plane that crashes, and there is a single survivor, a young uh, teenage boy that survives. And um, it takes you through what he goes through after that as a survivor and what those that are left with him, you know, go through, et cetera. So really powerful, awesome book. So that is definitely on the list um, in the fiction category. In the nonfiction category, I do have to note that I read Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers, um, and that came up on an episode a couple weeks ago, so that's not new news. But again, this book, I think, has something for everybody in it. Um, even if you're not typically a reader of some of what Malcolm Gladwell does, or you think, well, I'm not afraid to talk to strangers, however you may react to that title or the author, um, this book has a lot of really good insights into it about how um, hu about human nature, about um, biases that we're trained to have or not trained to have, et cetera. In fact, it actually has some really good material about how police are trained mm. and why they do some of the things they do that I think is actually some really insightful reading right now um, as the debate rages in our nation about um, how police forces are trained and operate, et cetera, and how that intersects with some of the racial challenges that our, that our nation is facing. So um, a really good book that I would recommend for folks um, to read as well. So those are my two. I probably went on too long about them, but Dear Edward and Talking to Strangers are two of my standouts from the first half of the year. And then I add to that Just Mercy, which is a very recent read, but one of the ones that I've been reading to educate myself more and really just got so much from um, conversation for another episode. Um, Jen, I, let me ask you the same standout books from the first half of the year. Yeah. Okay. So good recommendations. I still need to catch up on Talking to Strangers. And so definitely want to read that. Have read Just Mercy. Would absolutely recommend it. And Dear Edward. For me, I'm tracking right with you in the fact that I have needed fiction more than anything. And even in the fiction category, I've looked for things that weren't quite as heavy because um, life has been heavy. So just needed an escape in some ways with that. And so the two I would throw out there that have been great fiction reads for me so far this year were The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. So I, good. Yeah, and I don't know if I said her name right, but um, you may have read some of her books. Laura gave that one to me to read after she read it. It's really, really great. So highly recommend. Great story about the distribution of books to people in Kentucky at a point in history when um, not everybody had access to, to books and learning to read and those kind of things. So that was a great story. Story. And then the other one I just finished last week, and this is another shout out. If you're not following us on Instagram, please do. We try to post our here's what we're reading this week along the way. But the one I just finished this past week was a book called The Gown that a friend had passed along to me because she knew I was looking for the lighter side of life. But it's an incredibly fun story for all of you out there that love all of the British stuff, um, For if you're a crown, a fan of the crown or anything like that. But it's a fun fictionalized story surrounding the actual events of making Queen Elizabeth's wedding dress. And it's a story that follows two of the embroiderers who worked on that dress and their journeys, one being a young um, Jewish girl who had um, been, her family was lost in a... Um, 
in one of the camps during World War II and she was the survivor and ended up coming to Great Britain after the war to restart her life and the other um, a young girl from Great Britain anyway I won't tell you the rest but a really just fun story and even though they were lighter and fiction I think they were perfect coronavirus reads because they were great stories of struggle and triumph in the midst of here's difficult circumstances here's how we do something good so anyway thanks for taking the quick diversion with me on the the mid-year book notes but I think that's been some fun stuff to during all of this I agree, and I think it was a great diversion to give our readers a sense of what we've been up to, and it gives us a chance then to come back. So having reflected on how we're doing on our goals, um, the books we've read, and whether it's fiction or nonfiction, our books change us. Everything you read mm-hmm. impacts you and alters your thinking. So this year has definitely been a self-reflection year. It has definitely so far been a year of how do I regroup. Jen, um, hit us a little bit with what have you learned about yourself and how is that going to impact how you approach not just the second half of this year, but even the years to come? There's so much to unpack there. And so I'm just going to give the tiniest bit of the beginning part, in part because I feel like so much of what I've learned is the here's what I'm learning and just starting to come up for air enough to process some of that. And so what I will share is that this whole area of contentment, and I was talking about measurables and the need for success, and oh, this is that this got thrown in my face <laughs> with the coronavirus. Um, even just the fact that our church hasn't met every week. Sorry, back to laughing. Um, has taken away. I cried so- <laughs> when we did the original goals episode. Okay, it's so it's okay. Totally good. Um, it's taken away so much of I feel like some central parts of where I found my identity and the things that feed my soul of connecting with people and and inspiring people and doing all that. And yes, that can all happen online, but it's very, very different. And I found myself in a very deep hole of feeling like I can't accomplish anything and I can't succeed at anything. And I'm and I'm trying to feel good about the fact that right now the most important place for me to be is home with my kids getting their schoolwork done and yet I've got this church and so many things I can't get my hands around um and it just brought a lot of really big pieces that were already there which is why I had made it a goal of getting away from how am I determining my identity way too much by these performance and achievement standards and um those kinds of things and it brought it really sharply into focus of gosh well how are you going to understand and and be who you are when all of that doesn't even exist. And so the biggest thing I've learned is that, A, I've got work to do, (laughs) maybe more work than I realized I had to do. And just the fact that there really is and has to be a difference between who we are and what we do. And we can't be so defined by our doing that that we don't start with the fact that we we are human beings and um and I will go to a faith here piece of loved by God before we do anything. And so reframing that working through that is going to be some of the big work that I need to start doing the back half of 2020. I think that's really well and it's so good because sometimes we do need to stop and remember the motivation for why we're doing things. It's not about the check marks. It's about the people, um, whether it's our direct family, our faith community, our work community. 
why are we doing these things and to reframe our goals in that context so that we allow ourselves the grace we talked about earlier um, to get the goals a different way and so that we don't get so fixated on completing the goal that we don't actually hit our intent with the goal which I think is a really high risk a lot of us have I checked all the boxes but did you really achieve what you intended or did you get so fixated on the outcomes and the path that you forgot the why you were doing this Um, I think that's so very important Um, I will say that one of the things that I have learned is definitely that it's okay to say this needs to change or be different and to keep Mm. looking at the intended outcome and not have to hold yourself accountable to the path you originally laid out. Um, That's made me a better leader, even with my team, to say, okay, we laid out a plan and you all hear it from me all the time. Jen teases me about it. I self-actualize and joke about it on this (laughs) podcast, right? We we laid out a plan. We made decisions. Stick to them, right? That is a big issue for me. And this entire season has given me the opportunity to say that um, just because you have a plan doesn't mean you can't change the plan and Mm -hmm. to keep remembering your purpose and your intent. And I would tell everybody that even with just these goals right now, um, just give yourself enough space to call the time out and to rethink them the why, and then think about how you're going to get there differently. Um, One of the things that I shared in our original goal setting was that I was going to work this year on learning to say no, um, which is just (laughs) unbelievably laughable. Actually, when we were putting notes together for this episode, I wrote down, like, let's just acknowledge I'm incapable of this and move on. Um, But as I really thought and prayed over this aspect of my life, what I realized is, yeah, I joke about I'm incapable of saying no. But I do make choices about where I show up and the conversations I allow myself to be in, knowing that I'm going to enter all those things with a servant's heart and a desire to say yes. But I don't, I do pick and choose where I go and how I spend my time that puts me into those situations. I need to recognize that my point of saying no is earlier than I thought it was. It isn't having someone look me in the eyes and say, will you take over this committee? It's did I even show up for that conversation? So I know that sounds really kind of crazy, but for me, it's kind of refocusing a little bit on um, if I use the problem solving stuff we talked about for, am I actually working the correct problem set? Mm -hmm. And for me, the right problem set is where am I choosing to be and how am I choosing to spend my time? And I'm going here very intentionally because one of the things that I've learned is that um, I was really hard on myself. This is when I teared up on our goal setting episode talking about parenting and how I handle my kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, part of what I can do here is this isn't about saying yes or no to my kids. This is about being present with my kids. And man, have I learned that lesson so far this year. And in the process of being present with them, I've learned a lot more about what drives them. You know, what are their motivations? What's important to them? Mm -hmm. Where where do they need to see me? Um, What does a hard day look like for them, right? So I'm not just saying yes to them now where I think they want to hear yes. So I can click a, did I say yes to my kids? Did I say no to something else box? I'm actually learning a little bit more about what it means to be present for them. So I know for my youngest, it is so important to her that over the course of the day, the family gathers to do something, whether it's to play a Hmm. game, to watch a movie, to eat dinner together. She highly values that being in the same room as a unit, right? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
for my for my middle son oh my gosh i i don't think i realized how much he loves the physical touch the hug right and man mm-hmm. did quarantine help him see that because suddenly there's like three people in the world you're allowed to touch right <laughs> so you know he values that making sure i take the time to give him a hug in the morning sets his day mm-hmm. i didn't know that six months ago i should probably be embarrassed to say that but i didn't know that six months ago so my the entire way i'm approaching this goal of saying yes and saying no is differently and i'm actually getting back to do i understand what people truly need from me so that was probably a really bizarre self-actualization moment, but I hope it resonates a little bit, Jen, with you and maybe with some others that are listening. I agree. I hope a lot of what we're saying is really connecting with a lot of, of y'all. And I know that everybody's goals are different. The things we're learning are different. But I think one of the things we want to get back to is we all have the opportunity to emerge from this whole situation as better leaders and better people. And that isn't a pressure-packed statement. It's an invitation. We have an opportunity. It's right there in front of us. And these are going to be lessons we learned the hard way. But we can learn them and become better for them. And so I really appreciate having been able to take the time to have this conversation. Y'all got to hear some raw stuff from us of, you know, where we're falling back down and picking ourselves back up again and what that looks like. And hopefully you can have some time to have those conversations with people people that are around you too. But Laura, I think we need to end on a high note. And so back to our beginning of the year, we talked about, you know, not only the books we read, but the things we were listening to and the the things we were watching. We talk about TV a lot, so I won't take us there. But Laura, what is at the top of your playlist that has got you gotten you through the coronavirus? Oh my gosh. Um so the thing this is embarrassing. Maybe it's not. I, this yes. is cool. It yes. is not embarrassing. No, I, I want embarrassing. Come on now. <laughs> so I'm going to combine TV and music. Are you ready for this? Oh, well, I'm ready. One of the things I watched very early in quarantine that I hadn't seen yet was on Hulu, Reese Witherspoon's adaption um, of Little Fires Everywhere. Okay. Which is set in the 90s, which which is really good watch, by the way. Um, language warning. On, I feel like I have to give that too often, so I should probably think about that. Um, you know, there's a language warning there, but really great show, um, as you would expect if you read the book, because it was a great book. Um, 90s music all through it. That led to my current obsession with listening to 90s tunes. Um, I have 90s running play, 90s playlists for running, 90s playlists for <laughs> relaxing in the evening. I'm obsessed. So bring on the boys to men, the Mariah Carey, the Pearl Jam. Um, like I'm all over the map on who the bands are, who the groups are. Um, but everything that made me happy in the 90s is totally on my playlist again. Love Crazy, it. Crazy, right? I love it. it. How about you, Jen? What's uh, getting you psyched in the morning? Okay, well, so this is silly, but kind of the path that you went on. So on Spotify, um, there are some different playlists. And one of them that I found, and I think it's called, like, it's the Sing in the Shower playlist. And what's Ooh. great is it's just all the fun classic songs that everybody knows the words to that you would just sing. And so I have been going back to that Spotify playlist with frequency because it makes me dance and sing 
thing in the kitchen and, you know, helps work through some of those moods. If there's a top song, though, I definitely would throw out, and again, it is in the faith realm, but um, Elevation Worship came out with a song called The Rattle, and it is played daily in our house, and there is much dancing by all four of us because you just cannot get fired up, not get fired up when you listen to it. So that has been a daily playlist in our house. So we encourage everybody, go to Spotify or whatever music service that you use. 90s playlist, I'm telling you, it's going to make you smile, especially if you're in like the 40s age range, which I know a lot of our listening population is, if statistics can be trusted, which they can. Um, And songs for the shower. I mean, this is fantastic. I love it. To everybody listening, thank you so much for joining Jen and I for this kind of introspective moment. I hope that you take something away from this conversation. And I'd invite you to please take a few minutes um, to give us some feedback on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, um, wherever you frequent, um, to tell us what you got from this episode, what you're learning so far this year. We're going to put up some threads for discussion on that topic um, in the coming week. And um, I would also just again say make it a goal this week for yourself to go leave the sisters of industry a review on your podcast listening service how about that for a shameless plug to end the episode i love it great goal have a great one everybody thanks for listening sisters business what can go wrong thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sisters of Industry. Join us weekly as Laura and Jen reflect on their shared upbringing and divergent life experiences to draw out lessons to help us all lead and live meaningful, industrious lives. <laughs>